Hi, and welcome to Psychic Today. I'm your host, Jill Roberts, and today's topic is going to be crystals and sacred sites. Now, believe it or not, sacred tourism, which is traveling to sacred sites around the world, is becoming increasingly popular. More than 300,000 tourists trek to Peru's Machu Picchu each year, and 35,000 visit Stonehenge on just the summer solstice alone. Now, I know I've talked to you about the energy vortex um, power stones with the azestrolites and the other stones in combination to give you the energy of the sacred geometric sites. So today, what I want to do is give you a little intro into not only sacred tourism, but what sacred sites are and how to access them and how to do that using crystals. Um, You know, not everyone can travel to these locations. They may be in hospitable places. Fortunately, You don't need to physically travel to a site to experience its magnificent benefits. The energy present at sacred sites is incredibly alive and highly responsive to interaction. It literally plugs you into the numinous, which is an enormous energy grid that encompasses your body and soul, the planet and the cosmos. Once connected, This energy stays with you no matter where you go, and it can expand your awareness and heighten your sensitivity, providing healing and catalyzing your spirituality. Crystals serve as keys that open portals to numinous spots on our planet, allowing you to access their power. Crystals are semi-precious or precious stones, rocks, and minerals that have a crystalline structure at their hearts, and techites, meteorites, or other stones that don't. So, you know, basically we're not just talking about crystals, but we are talking about stones and meteorites and techites. Now, in order to understand sacred landscapes and how they affect us, The geology of the numinous. Rocks profoundly affect those who interact with them. Crystals literally underpin our world. Indeed, many crystal sacred sites are rumored to have secret crystal caverns at their hearts. Rocks with high quartz content, such as granite, sandstone, and quartzite, or with a high metallic content of iron, copper, Silver, gold, or rutile form a giant electrical conducting system, amplifying natural earth energies passing through them. Sites like Lourdes, like Lourdes in France, feature natural healing water. Lourdes has a high concentration of a rare metal, geranium, within its rocks, an excellent energy conductor. Geranium has been shown to be an antiviral and antibacterial and to stimulate the production of T-cells, 
the body's natural immune system. Lourdes was an ancient healing site long before St. Bernadette's vision of the Virgin Mary made it famous in the 19th century. Scientists are finding that geological underpinnings of sacred sites contribute to mind and mood alteration. Geochemical trace elements such as copper, zinc, and lithium in the environment all play a part. Lithium, for example, has calming properties. Tectonic plate movements create transient, bizarre, and unusual behaviors. Many of these sacred sites grew up because of unique geological features. Crystalline rocks, naturally strong geomagnetism, but sacred places weren't chosen merely for aesthetics. They were an integral part of ancient cosmology. These sites are multi-experiential and multi-layered, held within the landscape and integral to it. They evolved over thousands of years, sometimes changing their focus while maintaining their sanctity. A number of the world's most numinous sites are at tectonic plate junctions or on the joining point of two distinct geologies, creating a liminal space, a portal between worlds, so to speak. Tectonic plate junctions are where the earthquakes occur, the earth is continually moving due to one plate slipping against or over another. This is quite literally where you feel the earth move, which must have reinforced the idea that the planet was a living entity, as did volcanoes that appear to you know, exhale fiery breath. Similarly, changes in geology signified a change in the body of Mother Earth as the energy moved through the distinctive rocks in diverse ways, creating an energetic hiatus that sensitive people can feel. So we're going to be using crystals to connect with certain sacred sites. And what I'm going to be doing is talking about several different sacred sites. Of course, not on just this one episode alone. I will talk about one sacred site per each episode. But there are so many of them. I mean, they are the chakras of the earth, and they are extremely important, and they are vitally important in raising your higher consciousness, your frequency, and being able to connect with the divine and with the other um archangels or angels or even the nature spirits and devas which are very close to our earth. Now, with sacred earth energies, these sacred sites are places of awe, mystery, and wonder. As you know, I am also an Arthurian scholar, so of course, this is an amalgamation for me of not only my love of crystals and sacred sites, but the mythology that goes along with them. So they're located where they become the combination of not only of geological, aesthetic, 
geodesic, geomagnetic, symbolic, astronomical, mythological, and shamanic factors operating in a landscape according to the belief systems of the people who constructed these sites. Crystals form an integral part of sacred geography because they share these qualities. All of the world's numinous places have deities, legends, and traditions attached to them. The New Age and Ascension movements assign chakras and angelic connections to power places and vortex sites. Now, in The Power of the Landscape, there's this quotation that comes from a work of fiction, but it has the ring of authentic experience behind it. It shows the power that landscape has on us, what ancient humans might have felt as they stood in these numinous places, and what they can feel today. In this case, the landscape described is a patch of desert. And this is from Peter Robertson's Bad Boy. And this is the quotes, okay? He felt an odd tingle of anticipation, as if he were on the verge of what had been what he had been waiting for, his revelation, his epiphany. Someone had once told him that there were places you could go that would change you. For so long now, he had been struggling in the dark, and in that desert night, when the motel's blinking red neon was nothing but a dot on the horizon, he found an epiphany of a kind. When it came, it was nothing more than a simple fleeting ripple of happiness that went through him as a light, cool breeze that might brush one skin on a hot day. But he knew that he would be okay, that he was okay, and that he could deal with the things. His problems didn't matter in the midst of the desert night, the myriad of stars above and grains of sand under his feet. He was a long, long way from home, but oddly enough, he didn't feel so far away at that moment. Peter Robertson's graphic description here reminds us that it's the small things that we find sacred connection to. That tiny little quote-unquote ripple of happiness changes the course of a life. Although such experiences may seem outside of time, they have a profound effect on the present moment. They are part of ancient cosmology a holistic paradigm that takes spirituality, astronomy, astrom sorry, astronomy <laughs> mythology, and theology and creates an in integrated worldview in which God speaks, places in power or over awe, and the world is forever changed in that one moment. Now, there is a sacred site protocol which is when you're, when you're visiting an actual site, you might have to always ask permission. This is if you visit a site, not if you're doing a meditation and using energy vortex power stones in order to feel the effects of that particular site. But if you do visit a site, always ask permission of the site spirit guardian before entering. Respect the local customs of the, and dress appropriately. It's permissible to make an offering, but don't, you know, leave stuff behind you. 
you know, sites are becoming increasingly polluted with ribbons, candle wax, and decaying offerings that add nothing to the energy of the site. Do not grid or plant crystals in the earth unless requested to do so by the highest guidance, and in doing so can interfere with the energy of the earth's meridian grid surrounding the site. Take away nothing that is not freely offered. So it's based on, you know, your psychic senses and what you feel is being expressed to you. So if you feel that, you know, planting a Lemurian course there is something that you're being asked to do, then that's okay to do it. But don't do it without first communing and going inside yourself and find and channeling and finding out if that's what you're supposed to do. Okay, now in landscape set in stone, what we're going to be talking about here is stones used at these ancient sites. You know, rocks with subtle geomagnetic energies, concentration of a specific mineral, striking figurations, or high quartz content frequently form the geological basis for numinous places. Compasses go crazy over these specific stones. These stones are known to create altered states of consciousness. In England, monuments were often delineated with brilliant white chalk or snow quartz. Chalk holds moonlight, whereas quartz holds sunlight, although snow white quartz also soaks up moonlight. The stone's crystalline makeup actually stores light, similar to the way plants utilize sunlight for photosynthesis. Stones that are brought to the site from a distance, for example, Newgrange in Ireland is fronted with quartz, tons of it. It came from 50 miles away. That is a huge undertaking back in the Stone Age. And then the Priscilla Bluestone at Stonehenge was transported over 150 miles from Pembrokeshire in West Wales. Aswan granite, granite, which contains natural radioactivity and high paramatic resonance, is found in temples all over Egypt. Then you have a combination of the two. You know, there are rocks that are native to an area where enhanced by specific stones transported from elsewhere, the Egyptian pyramids were faced with local limestone, but the internal construction is Aswan granite. According to folk memory, the Great Pyramid was topped with a pure quartz pyramid, pyramidian, excuse me, in Aztec temples, obsidian and agate are set into the motor between the stones. Virtually all sacred sites are pure quartz or rock with high quartz content. Quartz is a storehouse for energy. It vibrates at a very specific rate. When struck or compressed, it, it, compresses, it com creates an electrical char discharge that is visible in the dark. When light shines through it, refraction produces a rainbow. Quartz also transmits sound. Think of early crystal radio sets. To the ancients, it must have seemed magical indeed. Parts of our brains, in particular the temporal lobe, are receptive to crystal power and to the magnetic energies. 
Tradition says certain stones were used as pillows to, to induce dreams, visions, altered states of consciousness, and healings. Ancient humans may have been particularly well-developed sensitivity to these electromagnetic and other natural energies, and they use these energies to enhance their spiritual experience and to navigate their landscape. Now, there's something called the crystal oversoul. For thousands of years, crystals were considered sentient beings and treated with the awe and respect due to incarnated gods. Ancient peoples believed stones due to, um, well, and due to being able to communicate with them because they were alive. Each type of crystal shared is a unified consciousness and awareness of being one in spirit and widely scattered across a large area. And yet intimately, they were all connected. Today, that spirit is known as a crystal oversoul. In his card pack, The Crystal Oversoul Attunements, Michael Eastwood explains it in this way. Quote, crystal oversouls are part of the fabric of cosmic creation. The collective soul that all individual crystals in its field will identify and communicate with, unquote. Time and space have no effect on crystal consciousness. The unified resonance between crystals of the same type, no matter where they may be situated, enables us to use crystals from other sources to connect to a specific sacred site. Similar crystals may be embedded in the bedrock at the site, and learning to attune to the crystal oversoul is a simple process of focusing your, your attention and your intention. Now, when you want to access sacred sites via crystals, you want to select a sacred site that has a particular resonance for you. This may be through ancestral or past life links or cultural or belief connections. Or you may feel attracted to a site and just want to know more about it. Um, before connecting to the crystal, you could take an internet tour of a site. You know, you could go on Google Earth or there's something called the megalithic portal, which is at megalithic.co.uk and that's m-e-g-a-l-i-t-h-i-c dot c-o dot u-k which allows you to view sacred sites anywhere in the world. You may also have one of the crystals associated with the site you want to explore. But alternative crystals are suggested and I can give you those suggestions. But I want you to work with the one that resonates best with your own personal energy. So use your intuition, use your gut feeling, and pick out the crystal that you think is the best for you. Now, how to keep your crystal sacred. And I'm going into all of this before we talk about the sacred sites because this is an important part of it. Crystals, needs, crystals need to be awakened and purified before and because before we use them, they rapidly draw up energy from their surroundings. They need frequent purifying to maintain their power. 
So, you know, you need to treat your crystals with respect and to work with them in partnership. They'll repay you with years of devoted service. Treat them badly or misuse them, and their power may turn opposite. Um, they may bring in the opposite. It's almost like the law of attraction. You may bring in the opposite effect that you wish and you desire. Therefore, after all, all crystals are magical, sentient beings. Crystals work by cooperating with you to focus and to manifest your intention. Be clear why you are working with the crystal and ensure that you're working for the highest good. So don't misuse the crystal power because it inevitably will rebound onto you. Like humans, crystals can become exhausted, so re-empower them regularly. And of course, I want you to choose your crystal, even if I give you an example of or what crystal is to be used with a certain sacred site. Use your own judgment, okay? When you purify your crystals, you will, you know, crystals pick up energy, like I've said before, from anyone who has handled them, as well as their environment. So anybody who's handled them, if you've ordered them online, you know, you're talking about from the person who has the crystal to them packing it and the postman picking them up and it going from one hand to the next, to the next, to the next until it comes to you. And if somebody's having a bad day, that energy, even, you know, from their palm chakras, is going to go into the box. And even if it's wrapped up and it may have been done with some Reiki and it may have been empowered by a certain person, it is always good to purify your crystals no matter what, just to get any, you know, possible negative energy off of the crystal. Um, you know, people say you can run crystals underwater, and you can, but just a certain type of crystals. For example, quartz or anything that ends in ITE cannot be run underwater. And so anything like that, and most crystals, that's, you know, a big percentage of them anyhow, um, you don't want to run them underwater. Um, what I would do and what I do is either I smudge them with white sage or I use special Palo Santo sticks. Um, and when I am purifying my crystals, I'm also purifying myself with the stellar gateway chakra. I go up above my head with it. Then I do my crown chakra, my third eye, and I go all the way down to the earth's soul chakra. Um, and I make, and I go behind myself as well with the smudge, whether it's white sage or Palo Santo. And I make sure I do it around, I use it in a, in a clockwise uh, ring around my hands and my arm. And I go from each way and I go across my body and every way I can. If and then I do whatever rings I'm wearing. For example, I wear black septarian with a Herkimer diamond with tourmaline on the sides. That's actually 
the Herkimer diamond is cut like a gem, like you would see in a regular. It's not just a natural stone like the rest of my jewelry. So I have the black septarian on my left hand with a Herkimer diamond. And on my right hand, I have a natural double terminated Herkimer diamond and a ring that is a combination of azurite, chrysocolla, and malachite. So, of course, the Herkimer diamonds are both um, very high vibrational, and they also are magnifiers, and they will magnify the stones that are on my hands as well. So, you want to purify your crystal, and then you want to put the intention into the crystal. And the way you can, what some people call either awaken the energy of your crystal, or... Like I like to say, give it a job. <laughs> you can say, I dedicate this crystal to the highest good of all and ask that its power be activated now to work in harmony with my own will and focused intention. And when you're done using the crystal for the, whether it's your meditation or you're going to be working with the sacred sites, you can then deactivate it as well. Um, you can cleanse your crystals in between without deactivating the intention. If you want to deactivate the specific intention, then what I would do is thank the crystal for its power and say it is, which is, the power is no longer needed at this time. And you ask that the power be closed until it is reactivated. But if you don't say that, it will still be activated for the purpose and the intention that you are using it. So now I'm going to go through a sacred site with the corresponding crystal. So if you hold on, I'll be right back. Welcome back to Psychic Today. I'm your host, Jill Roberts, and we're going to get into some specific sacred sites. And oddly enough, I have my corresponding crystal that is just sitting on my kitchen table waiting for me to do this. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about the vortices uh, and the awesome beauty of Sedona, Arizona. Now, the corresponding crystal is Sedonalite, or some people call it Sedona Stone, and, of course, Sedona Azestrolite. Um, to describe Arizona, um, they have these magnificent crimson peaks that tower above the deep red canyons at this site, which has been sacred for millennia. According to Indian legends, this is where humans come face-to-face -face with their true nature. This region has more energy vortices than any other site on the earth. Stones from this region retain Sedona's vibrant energy no matter how far they travel. 
So what this site offers you is connection to the awesome power of the earth and, and Mother Nature. It also offers psychic and spiritual expansion and past life awareness. Now, as far as crystal connections go, the ancient rock of Sedona is an iron-rich sandstone that weathers into fantastic shapes and amazing colors that look like a layer cake. It's studded with white snow quartz. Small pieces of the rock may break off into pebbles, and with permission, they can be used to connect to the site. This area was once covered by ocean, and fossils and seashells are found in the sandstone's gray-white bands. Around the village of Oak Creek, basalt deposits are attested to the landscape volcanic nature. Now, as far as Sedona's power, for thousands of years, American Indians have performed sacred ceremonies there. Although the whole landscape is awesomely beautiful, the energy vortices are what draw people from around the world. A vortex is where you most strongly plug into the multidimensional Sedona spiritual energy. The main vortices occur at four locations. Uh, one is Bell Rock, uh, Airport Mesa, Cathedral Rock, and Boynton Canyon. But minor vortices and additional highly energetic places can also occur. Um, there's a quote I have here from uh, Inner Journeys. Um, and there's a wonderful book um, called A Thousand Inner Journeys. Um, I don't have it with me at this moment, but it has amazing pictures and you really don't need to, again, travel to these sacred sites in order to feel the power and the energy of them. But the, the beautiful quote here is, there exists an open door to possibilities in life much larger than the limits of our minds. What we may call a vortex, the Native Americans may call sacred ground. So the earth energy lines or telluric currents follow the circulation of magnetic and electrical flows within the earth. The energies are cyclical and seasonal, fluctuating and self-renewing. Where two or more earth energy meridians cross, a powerful psychic vortex results. The ancients recognized these power spots which concentrate natural healing energies, shamanic power, and cited sacred places accordingly. Um, there's a lot of mythology, which you know I love, legends, of course, and lore. Um, you know, many New Agers believe Sedona is an ancient Lemurian site with a buried city or enormous crystal beneath it. Local Indians have long held this land sacred. Kamwaida Pakwi, which is known, which is translated into Old Woman Rock, is um, a goddess with supernatural powers lived there, and she gave her ancient knowledge to the local um, Yavapi Indians through her grandson Shakta Amaksha. According to oral mythology, there were four cycles of creation. 
the first humans emerged from underground and were drowned in a flood. Kamwita Pokwi and her grandson were part of the second cycle. The third ended in a huge fire. We're now living in the fourth cycle, which Kamwita Pokwi continued to give her guidance to the Yapapai medicine men until the tribe became scattered and lost. In another version, each world started in balance and harmony but was disrupted. The first by ice, the next by fire, and the third by water. So there's variations, of course, on this myth. And of course, they're passed down by oral tradition. So they get altered and changed. But that's what I love about mythology. Because there always are seeds of truth in every single story of you know, myth and folklore. So let's talk about some awesome crystallized energy in what is called Sedona Stone. So a rich, rusty red sandstone colored by oxidizing iron, Sedona Stone holds the con concentrated energy of the powerful monthly dimensional vortices and links to universal knowledge. It stimulates metaphysical sight, inner sight, and out-of-body journeying. Holding Sedona Stone plugs you into an inexhaustible source of power. Um, sometimes my experience with it is almost like having a energy drink or a cup of coffee where you get that burst of kind of caffeine energy. And I get that a lot from what it, I call Sedona Light, which is basically Sedona Stone. Um, some properties of Sedona Stone is the pure crystallized energy. Even the smallest pebble contains the resonance of the energy vortices. Used during ceremonies and shamanic journeying, the stone enhances your physical abilities, especially if placed over the soma chakra in the center of your hairline. The vortex whirls you deep within yourself to explore inner dimensions. So I can give you some alternate crystals. Um, Arizona is rich in gemstones, which uh, include peridots, quartz, turquoise, amethyst, uh, ahoyt, and um, these stones also harness the power of the vortices. So you can use any of those stones. Um, clear quartz would probably be the most accessible and something you would probably have, or amethyst, or maybe even turquoise. Now, Sedona Stone's healing power, the stone itself is immensely powerful healing stone with rejuvenating and revitalizing properties. The energy imbued into the stone passes into the physical and subtle bodies as a heightened sense of physical and spiritual well-being. It re-energizes all the cells of the body as well as the blood and the lymph nodes. Now, when you connect with Sedona Stone, you know, it, pl it plugs you into this gigantic power source. Holding it immediately transports you into the Earth's energetic grid and power-generating vortex points. Now, according to Robert Simmons on Sedona Light, he says that it's a stone of, of course, dynamic energetic balance. 
It can charge and harmonize the meridian system, bringing one's astral and subtle bodies into resonant alignment with the physical. These stones are both grounding and stimulating, engendering a heightening sensitivity to alertness. So again, they are like having two cups of coffee in the best sense. They recharge the nervous system. They enhance thought and verbalization, but without causing tension or irritability like caffeine can. These stones wake you up, but they don't drag you down. They can be used to activate any of the chakras as well as the meridians. Sedonolite heightens one's psychic capacities, enhancing any natural sensitivities and, and, and adding dimensions. For example, with Sedonolite, naturally clairvoyant people may also receive auditory messages, and healers may discover a capacity to envision the future. Sedonolite seems able to clear away mental fog, fatigue, and dullness, and to jumpstart one's enthusiasm. It carries a slightly optimistic energy, inspiring one to get going on manifesting one's dreams. Sedonolite, of course, is intimately linked with the environment of Sedona, Arizona, and all the phenomena that occur there. Consequently, it can trigger spontaneous spiritual experiences. You know, it can include sun states of samadhi, recall of past lives, visions of spirit beings or extraterrestrials and the awakening of one's ability to channel the message of beings in spiritual planes. It offers a quick acceleration of one's spiritual growth, so it gets you going. It gets you started and it does it quickly. In meditation, you can facilitate extraordinary visions you can actually create what's called a mini vortex by arranging a group of sedonolite stones in a circle. Even better, if you have enough stones, you can make a medicine wheel pattern. And this mini vortex can be used to charge the energies of a room or an entire home. Placing another stone, such as you know maybe moldavite or an azestulite in the center of the circle, will put it at the focal point of magnifying a vortex, and one's whole environment will be filled with that stone's energy. So you can use it in a crystal grid system. So if you have, like, let's say, the seed of life or the just the flower of life, you can put the stones at each major ray and maybe put a moldavite or uh, a definitely a Sedona azestrolite or a white azestrolite in the middle to accentuate the energies of these stones and the energies within your home or wherever you're doing the grid. Um, <clears throat> you know, Sedona lights work synergistically, of course, with Moldavite, and the two together can stimulate a lot of intensity and quick transformation. They're beneficial allies for azeshalites and all of the stones of vibrational ascension, which also include the energy power um, vortex stones or the energy vortex power stones, whichever way you, you want to think of them, hastening the evolutionary process and the ascension process. They particularly seem to like the powerful vibration of Amazes. Now, Amazes, which I've done a segment on, 
is, of course, the layering of the Azestralites and Amethyst in a way that is beyond beautiful and powerful. And Sedonolites also harmonize with Z-stones, making a potent and heady energy cocktail. So spiritually, Sedonolite accelerates spiritual growth and stimulates all types of psychic capacities. It can trigger spontaneous spiritual experiences of enlightenment, past life recall, links with extraterrestrials, channeling, and prophetic vision. Emotionally, Sedonolite brings forth optimism, determination, and a sense of spiritual adventure. It stimulates boldness and a zest for the unknown. Physical Sedona, physically, Sedonolite stimulates and recharges the nervous system. And I have a wonderful affirmation. Um, I enter the path to my unknown future with intensity, clarity, and optimism. I'll say it again. I enter the path to my unknown future with intensity, clarity, and optimism. Now, when it comes to Sedona Azestrolite, of course, the best source to obtain the stone is through heavenandearthjewelry.com, which is Robert Simmons' site. And he classifies and talks about the crystal properties of Sedona Azestrolite being a type of white quartz infused with, um, interpenetrated with the iron-rich red rock of Sedona. Uh, as far as crystal healing is concerned, Sedona's zestrolite emanates the vortex energies for which Sedona is famous, as well as the high vibration infusion of spiritual light that is a zestrolite signature. They were actually recently discovered in a remote part of the Sedona landscape, and the quantity available thus is very limited. So, you know, of course, we're all excited to be working with these intense new Azestrolites. They're a perfect stone to get the energy of Sedona and have these interdimensional or these... Um, physically um, enhancing um, alertness and, and rapid acceleration of vibrational ascension. So I hope you've enjoyed this uh, edition of Psychic Today. Um, the next couple of sites I'd like to talk about is Newgrange and, of course, my favorite, Stonehenge which is my personal favorite and is the heart chakra of the world. So until next time, I'm sending you all my love and light and be kind to yourself and to others. Hi, this is Jill Roberts from Psychic Today. And I just wanted to say you can always contact me through a voice message in Anchor or whatever platform or app you're listening to this podcast on. Um, you can visit my blog at psychicmediumnewyorkcity.com. You can see my range of services at psychicmediumnyc.com. And you can, of course, always email me at info at psychicmedium.com. I'd love to hear from you. Any, any subjects you'd like to cover or any questions you may have, 
Don't hesitate to give me a call. Take care.